Hello, and welcome to Father Luke's homilies. This homily was preached in the Catholic parish of Brandon and Milden Hall for the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. I pray that this homily is of some use to you. God bless you. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. When they ran out of wine, since the wine provided for the wedding was all finished, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said, Woman, why turn to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. There were six stone water jars standing there, meant for the ablutions that are customary among the Jews. Each could hold twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Draw some out now, he told them, and take it to the steward. They did this. The steward tasted the water, and it had turned into wine. Having no idea where it came from, only the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said, People generally serve the best wine first and keep the cheaper sort till the guests have had plenty to drink. But you have kept the best wine till now. This was the first of the signs given by Jesus. It was given at Cana in Galilee. He let his glory be seen and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. As the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so will your God rejoice in you. A few years ago, there was a popular reality TV programme called Don't Tell the Bride. The premise of the show was that the couple were given a fairly large sum of money um, to fund their wedding. The catch was that every aspect of the wedding had to be organised by the groom um, in two weeks, and he wasn't allowed any contact with the bride during that time. She'd only discover the reality of the wedding on her wedding day. It was both an entertaining and an alarming show. Entertaining to see the ridiculous ideas that the groom came up with. Alarming because in many respects the groom did not seem to know his bride at all. In some respects perhaps it trivialised weddings and marriage. It trivialised a hugely important moment in the life of a young couple. Indeed, for most people, their wedding is the most important and life-changing event that they will experience. So important that a huge amount of effort and expense go into making sure that the day is an unforgettable experience. Weddings, as we know, have become big business. Um, It's not unusual for people to really go to town on a wedding, to splash out as a way of making a statement about who they are and what their hopes are for their future life. Weddings speak of who we are, of 
our ideals, our hopes for the future, especially our desire for love, security and for a full and happy life. Love, security and life. These themes come together in our readings today. And the image of a wedding is frequently used in the Hebrew scriptures to describe the relationship of the Lord and his people. God is Israel's husband, as Isaiah tells us, though often Israel is an unfaithful bride who breaks her vows to her husband, worshipping false gods. And she does this time and time again. But time and time again, God forgives Israel turning her sadness into joy, as in today's first reading. And in the time of Jesus, the people longing for the coming of a Messiah was often expressed in the terms of wedding, of a wedding. The days of the Messiah would be a a time of great rejoicing, a wedding feast with an abundance of wine and celebration. And that is the context of today's gospel, the abundance of overflowing wine at the wedding tells us that the days of the Messiah are upon us. The Lord's blessings are once again being poured out on his people because the real bridegroom, Jesus, has arrived to marry his bride, Israel. And we're told by John that this is the first of Jesus's signs. Despite this rejoicing, the event is tinged with the shadow of the cross. For like all Jesus' signs, it points towards the greatest of all signs, the glory of Jesus on the cross, saving the world through his perfect obedience to the Father. Since this, the cross, is how the Lord's relationship with his people is restored. The cross, in fact, is almost like a wedding image because it shows how much God loves us. It shows the promise, the fidelity that God has made to each one of us. This is how the new covenant, the new marriage between God and God's people is brought about. There are many pointers to the cross in the story. Jesus speaks of his hour having not yet come, which is a reference to his death when his glory would be fully revealed. Significantly, Jesus' mother here is involved in the Cana story, addressed by Jesus with the honorific title, Woman. It's an honorific title, it's not a derogative title. Jesus was sinless. He didn't call his mother names. It's a deliberate biblical term. The only other time this happens is at the foot of the cross. Woman, behold your son. The cross is the ultimate blessing the Lord can give his people. It's the source of eternal life to all who believe. So the 180 gallons of wine that Jesus um, gives in the gospel are indicative of the inexhaustible riches that God the Father pours out on those who believe in the son he has sent. The first sign does indeed produce faith. The disciples see his glory and they believe in him, we are told. 
So what does the Lord ask of us? Well, the Lord asks that we believe as the disciples did in Jesus's power to change our lives and to lead us to God. It's with faith in God that the water of our daily life, if you will, can be transformed into something far superior. Our lives can gain a new depth, a new meaning, a new quality, if you will, if we allow ourselves to enter into this covenant with God, which Jesus makes possible. Mary, as the first disciple, shows us just how to do this. By doing whatever he tells us. Do whatever he tells you is the instruction she gives. By listening to the voice of the Lord and being obedient to it. You might think, well, how do I listen to the voice of the Lord? It's not about hearing audible voices. As I've often said, if you're hearing audible voices, the doctor's surgery is over the road. Okay? But the voice of the Lord is still discernible today. He does speak today. And he speaks principally through his church, through the, through the scriptures, through homilies even. He speaks to us in our conscience, in prayer, and in the depths of our hearts. So we need to be tuned in. We're truly listening to the voice of the Lord. That's an important question, I think, for all of us to reflect on all the time. Are we listening? Are we tuned in? And once we've listened, are we actually willing to do what he tells us to do? God loves us and knows us completely. He knows us better than we know ourselves, unlike don't tell the bride, we can trust this bridegroom completely. He is always faithful. He knows what makes us tick. He always has our best interests at heart. Do whatever he tells you. In John's gospel, this simply boils down to believing in Jesus and loving as he loved us. Faith and love. It's as simple as that. It's all that's needed for a good marriage and it's all that God requires of us to have the fullness of life. Faith and love. Amen. Thank you for listening to my homily podcast. For more information about the Catholic Parish at Brandon and Mildenhall, please go to our website, which is stthomas-stjohnparish.com. That's stthomas-stjohnparish.com. If you want to read more articles and stories and theological reflections, please check out my blog at fatherlukegoymore.com. That's fatherlukegoymore.com. Feel free also to follow me on Twitter at Father Luke G and Instagram at Father Luke Goymore. Stay safe and God bless you.